need to hasten to add that after those two sessions, they asked me to leave the search committee. <laughs> I wasn't there for the whole time. <laughs> Students and faculty and staff of Goshen College, boards of directors and distinguished guests, friends and family, I am deeply grateful for your presence here today. Mis queridos hermanas y hermanos, muchas gracias por su presencia también. My abiding thanks goes also to my predecessors, Presidents Burkholder, Stolzfus, Weaver, and Showalter. Each of you have contributed much to the betterment of Goshen College, and I'm humbled to join you in this noble calling. I want to offer special thanks to you, John Yorty. You have gone the second mile in your work as interim president and provost during the last 21 months. Thank you. And also thank Winnie for her tireless support of John and Goshen College. I once read that a good college president has to generally have both a curiosity for learning and an unquenchable love for people. If that is in any way true of me, I owe what curiosity for learning I have to my father, who's now among the great cloud of witnesses present, but unseen here today. And I thank him if he's listening. As, the, as for the joy I get for meeting new people anywhere, anytime, any opportunity I get the possibility of doing so, those genes I owe to my mother. And Lord knows, if these festivities lasted a day or two more, she would probably know each of you by name and what your favorite meal was as well. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for that part of my DNA and for being here and for your support and love all of these years. In getting ready for this day, I feel a bit like we've been planning a wedding or an awesome birthday party, which reminds me of how, gratefully I, how grateful I am for you, Terry, and Quinn for your sacrificial love. Now, we had, we at one point considered, I believe, a bunch of doves and balloons, but then we remembered how in one wedding where that was done, a balloon popped and the doves went bonkers, and well, you can imagine feathers all over the place, and let's just say outfits had to be dry cleaned. <laughs> so we decided against the doves, but still, I'm very thankful for all those who have worked hard to bring this day to fruition. Life is so short. Our days like leaves of grass are too soon gone, the psalmist says. My father was the same age I am today when I saw him for the last time. He died the summer after my first year at Goshen College 32 years ago. I'm keenly aware today not only of the brevity of life in general, but how too soon gone are the glorious days of even the longest presidencies of Goshen College. All of us who love Goshen College so deeply are blessedly aware that ours was but one small stem, one branch, a leaf of a tree perhaps, whose roots run deeper and wider than any one individual or even one generation of individuals. Indeed, Goshen College, 112 years old, is but a small branch of a bough of a shoot, first imagined by the poet and prophet Isaiah well over two and a half millennia ago. 
200 years before Confucius, 300 years before Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, Isaiah had articulated a worldview, a way of knowing, an epistemology that proved to be grander and more comprehensive than that of these later Greek philosophers so important to Western Enlightenment reasoning. Isaiah in the Near East and the pre-Socratics in the West had imagined that wisdom included in its ranks the artist, the poet, the musician, the mother, the day laborer, the athlete, the healer, the farmer, the wonder worker, the seer, the prophet, even the cobbler. Plato and Aristotle, by contrast, believed such artisans and poets, laborers and God-fearers, were incapable of attaining the highest plane of wisdom, which was for them the rational, abstract theorist embodied in the philosopher king, and that usually meant the Greek male philosopher king. Thankfully, in 2006, liberal arts colleges and universities are beginning to overcome some of the biases against the narrow supremacy of the Enlightenment mind. However, higher education still often falls short when it comes to accepting the poet-prophet Isaiah's comprehensive view of gaining true wisdom. Isaiah, ever the great empiricist, is alive to nature. He notices dew on the grass, the moon and its shadows, glorious snow-capped mountains and eagles soaring. He notices the stump remains of a tree sheared to the ground, whose roots he knows runs deep. He notices a stump, a shoot growing out of the stump. His empiricism turns to poetry. He feels and thinks his way into knowledge, seeing through to the significance of his findings. Any fool can know, Einstein once and later would say, the point is to understand. The proverb writer said much the same thing when he wrote, with all your knowledge, get understanding. Isaiah went for the understanding. He had an aha moment, an Archimedes-like eureka moment. And like Archimedes, we know that Isaiah was also given to running naked in the streets from time to time. Isaiah had a revelation, an inspiration, a knowing, not unlike that of Charles Townsend, the 1964 Nobel Prize winner of physics and co-discoverer of laser, of the laser. I once heard him describe how after months and months of hard work in the lab, it was while he was sitting in the park, daydreaming with children running around at his feet, that he had what he called an epiphany. Something like, he said, an inspired revelation that led to the discovery of the laser. Certainly Townsend was aware of Louis Pasteur's aphorism, in the fields of observation, chance only favors the prepared mind. But just as certainly, Isaiah's long years of political and historical reflection sparked in him a revelation of immense 
historical, theological, anthropological, sociological, epistemological, and soteriological importance. And that was for Professor Keim, wherever he is. <laughs> Isaiah had that aha experience. He saw a shoot growing out of a stump. He dared to give significance to those observations. Out of the stump of Jesse, a stump rep representing Israel carried into Assyrian captivity, a branch would grow out of its roots and become the embodiment of wisdom, a philosopher king, perhaps, of a different order, perhaps Hezekiah, perhaps another kind of king in some future order. The spirit of the Lord would rest upon him, Isaiah says, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, and knowledge spoken of by Isaiah are the quintessential descriptors of the best educational institutions secular and religious alike known to humankind. This messianic figure, described by Isaiah and believed by Christians to be Jesus of Nazareth, would be a Messiah who would welcome the very natural human capacities of learning as being good in their own right. Isaiah and Jesus Christ honor the best of human learning. Each thought or feeling each decision, every trial and error, every experiment, each piece of data collected, each brainwave of cognition, a mile run, a shoe cobbled, a cornrow planted, images under the microscope, life acted on a stage, the brush upon canvas, words heard, read, written and sung, all of these marvelous capacities of human learning and understanding that we celebrate in our lives and in our colleges and universities and here at Goshen College are given like rain and sunshine, gifts of God poured out upon all humankind, the just and the unjust. The created world with its natural laws and structures is a trustworthy field of inquiry for inquiring minds. In the biblical worldview, biblical humanism is an honorable brand. But our educational task is not complete by simply becoming passionate learners of all that there is to know from the vantage point of human capacity. Wisdom and understanding, counsel and power, knowledge as God-given, as wonderful as they are, must be embedded in the larger narrative story of Scripture. These five words, if you notice in the text, of human capacity, in Isaiah's poetic description, are bookended by these two other powerful phrases, the spirit of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. It's these two additional sources of knowledge, the spirit of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, that by definition and law, secular universities cannot hope to include in their curriculum. By definition, by choice, by law, all these universities fall short of a truly comprehensive 
trans and intercultural liberal arts experience. These two sources of wisdom, when accompanying the other five, offer the most balanced educational experience a student might hope for better than the best schools that don't. If a Christ-centered, top-tiered educational institution such as Goshen College continues to open itself to the spirit and fear of the Lord in the context of all other forms of wisdom, several outcomes will become increasingly transparent to all who study here, and I'll name but three. First, our capacity for wonder will grow. If the fear of the Lord means anything, certainly one of its definitions lies within the semantic range of awe and wonder. Aristotle's rather famous phrase, philosophy begins with wonder, is right on, except that he goes on to argue that wisdom ends with wonder having been completely removed by the higher plane of theoretical knowledge. Sadly, too many schools of higher education have weaned us away from the passion and wonder of learning. Last week, late one evening, we were walking from a friend's outside their home in, into their home uh, with their five-year-old son. All of a sudden, he stopped dead in his tracks and looked up at the waning gibbous moon bright in the sky and in the most reverent, awesome, filled emotional experience, he said, I wish I may, I wish I might, I wish the first, the first, the first wish I have tonight on the moon, and, and before long it turned into a prayer of thanksgiving and the pledge of allegiance <laughs> and the pledge to God, and it came back around to his thankfulness for his family and for going into the house. And all of us adults were just flabbergasted with delight. Behind him, we couldn't contain our delight at his vision of this beautiful moon struck evening. The wonder of the moon, God's moon, was ours to behold in a new light that night. In her marvelous book entitled Sense of Wonder, Rachel Carson writes, it is our misfortune that for most of us that clear-eyed vision of a child, that true instinct for what is beautiful, awe-inspiring, is dimmed and even lost before we reach adulthood. Let us never lose our capacity for wonder. Though it is awfully tempting to become cynical while learning to be appropriately critical, one cannot be complacent or cynical and wonder at the same time. Again, it was Albert Einstein who said, if there is any skeptical star, I was born under it, yet I have lived all my days in complete astonishment. The wisdom of Isaiah invites us to live all of our days in complete astonishment under the spirit and wonder of the Lord. Secondly, if we invite the spirit and wonder of the Lord into our educational experience at Goshen College, then we will become ever more the servant leaders, the global citizens, the compassionate peacemakers our core values declare us to be. 
if we invite the Spirit to be poured out upon us as it was upon the branch of Jesse, the Christ figure of Isaiah's vision, then we, like he, will seek, if you read the context around this, as Isaiah says, we will seek equity and justice for the poor. We will give, power to be, we will give up our power to become servants to others, as the following servant songs so, so exemplify in these texts, ultimately dying so that others might live. The Apostle Paul interpreted Isaiah's vision as referring to, of all things, in the context, context of wisdom being power, he referred to it as Christ crucified, who he declared to be the very wisdom and power of God. Here, wisdom and power were revealed in sacrificial love, not defended by the will to power and survival of the fittest of too many philosophers and political leaders then and now. Such a vision of a Christ crucified, as Christ crucified, as the true wisdom and power of God, suggests that Christian higher education, if it claims to be Christ-centered, will not get a wise wisdom as a private, internalized experience, as important as such experiences may be. Nor will Christian higher education defend wisdom and truth with coercive power or educate future leaders toward that end. The democratic spirit of wisdom cannot be forced. Its weapon is persuasion. The, spirit, the Apostle Paul knew how hard such a pedagogy would be. He said it would sound like foolishness to the world, yet it was and remains the very wisdom of God and good pedagogy besides. The roots of Goshen College reached down deep into the soil of the Anabaptist Mennonite movement of the 16th century. Then and there, a group of radical Christ-centered university students reclaimed the truth of God's wisdom as cruciform in nature, nonviolent in character. They called for separation of church and state, a democracy of values in which the vote and voice of a person is an established, non-coercive norm. 200 years before it would be enshrined in the constitutions of almost all modern democracies. I love being a part of this tradition. 200 years. They were the thought leaders of their day, when such ideas seemed foolish and unrealistic to a watching world. What? Peace-loving wisdom? Non-coercive power of wisdom? At Goshen College, like our forebears of faith, let us continue to grow university students and train thought leaders for the 21st century. Such Christ-like wisdom will be transformational to us personally and to the world socially. Such Christ-like wisdom will never be exclusively private nor uncritically mainstream. Even as we continue to invest broadly in cross-cultural service around the world, may we also increase our attention locally, working closely with civic leaders in service to the surrounding community. Such transformation will encourage increased consideration of how best to make educational opportunities available with equity, as Isaiah says, to all, locally 
and globally? Are we ready to respond to the tectonic shift in higher education from the developed world to the developing world that is taking place before our eyes? I believe we can and must. At Goshen College, we must continue to raise up tomorrow's thought leaders today who will help reshape the mental framework of the world to more closely align with the peaceable wisdom of God. In the third and final place, were we to invite the spirit and wonder of the Lord to be part of the educational experience at Goshen College, our capacity for joy would greatly increase. Can there be anything more contagious than a campus filled with joy? One of my father's favorite expressions was, as we were growing up, he said, you have to learn to laugh. And he always, whenever he said God, it, it had that noble quality. You have to learn to laugh with God. <laughs> and he didn't always have a lot to laugh about. You have to learn to laugh with God. Good advice. For if it is true that laughter at oneself is the nearest thing to repentance, then let us laugh ourselves into heaven, or at least through graduation and beyond. <laughs> that increase in knowledge can often lead to arrogance and godlike pride. That, that, that it can lead to arrogance and godlike pride is well known. The Garden of Eden story teaches us that. That loss of humor is one of the first symptoms of pride is often less appreciated, but no less true. Lady Wisdom of Proverbs 8 fame, who was with God in creation. What a wonderful story. She's endowed with the rational thought and deep knowledge of the ages. She speaks of her absolute delight in the human race, her joy in God's inhabited world, she suggests that the art of learning, the increase in knowledge, the obtaining of wisdom under God's pedagogy brings true and lasting happiness. Would that our studies at Goshen College bring us such joy unspeakable. At Goshen College, we're known for our very high academic standards. Are we also known for our laughter, our joy, our willingness to take ourselves a bit less seriously at such an august center of learning? If tossing the president to the sharks of Shark Plaza Fountain, if poking fun at ourselves on Monday Night Live on Saturday night, if celebrating the president's inauguration with children finger painting and just about everyone near the end of the evening anyway in the conga line, then perhaps we are well on our way to the kind of infectious joy that will draw others to this Christ-centered place called Goshen College, and ultimately, and more significantly still, to the Christ, the true wisdom and wonder of God. That is my prayer. My soul is filled with joy today, and I hope yours is as well. Amen.